Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. They'll say, well, I'm not really a legit business, but I make, you know, <laughs> money doing this, 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 and this, and this. I have like five side hustles, but I'm not like a legit business. And I'm like, what do you think a legit business is? <laughs> because they're making money. And I think that we are under the assumption that a legit business must be a certain thing, whether it's having employees or, or making a certain amount of revenue or having an office or anything. And the truth is you're in business the moment you decide you want to be. So if you say, I want to go start, for example, start a blog. And you start writing the blog with the intent to monetize it, and you start reaching out to potential advertisers, or you start pushing ads towards it or something, you're doing that with a business intention. And that is technically when the business starts, in theory. And it's very subjective, but people think that the birth of the business is when the LLC is formed or the corporation is formed, and that's just not the case, because you can be operating as a sole proprietor long before that. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres, award-winning Latina personal finance expert. I didn't always have my financial shit together, but when I started looking for POC-friendly personal finance podcasts, I couldn't find any. And so Yo Quiero Dinero was born. On this show, I'll show you how to make dinero, how to keep your dinero, and most importantly, how to make it grow. Each week, I'm connecting you with the most brilliant minds in the world of money and business, so you can learn about investing, entrepreneurship, and building wealth. The best part? I'm dishing up all this knowledge with a sassy side of sazón. So if you're ready to be poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Let's dive in. Hola, mi gente. Welcome back to another episode of Yo Quiero Dinero. 
You're listening to episode 113, Taxes and Accounting for Side Hustlers with CPA Shannon K. Weinstein. She's not only a CPA, she's my CPA. She's also a business mentor and a coach who helps entrepreneurs keep what they earn and scale their businesses with confidence. Her practice, Financial Solutions, provides accounting, tax, and coaching services to growing businesses with a focus on online services. I love working with Shannon because a lot of accountants who don't deal with like online content creators and online businesses don't know what the fuck we do, truly. They have no idea like how we actually make money, what are the things that we spend money on, how to optimize our businesses because they really just don't understand like how we actually make money. So for me, it's really important to find a CPA who actually gets me and Shannon totally gets the online space. So I'm super excited for this conversation because I feel like accounting and taxes is one of those things that like stresses people the fuck out. (coughs) Right? Like it just makes you feel like I don't even want to open a business. I don't want to start a business because this is going to be stressful. I don't want to deal with the money. Trust me, y'all, it is not as complicated as you think, especially when you have a trusted financial professional on your side. So in this episode, we're going to talk about how to be a badass entrepreneur managing your money like a boss. Don't go anywhere. Before we hop into today's conversation, I want to remind you to follow us on social. If you're loving this podcast and you want more community, you want to find out more about our events and all the stuff that we have going on behind the scenes, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and everywhere else you love to hang out on the internet. If you're loving this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review if you listen to us on Apple. It's the easiest way to share our podcast with people that you know and love, and it helps us get discovered by amazing listeners like you. So take a moment, leave us a review, share us with your friends and family, subscribe so that you never miss an episode, and make sure to check out our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list and you'll never miss an episode. Plus, you get exclusive invitations to our live events, special discounts for our digital courses, and as always, our best personal finance tips and advice to help you be poderosa with your dinero. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get into the episode. Shannon, welcome to the podcast. Super excited to have you here. I have been waiting for this moment for a very long time, so I'm glad we get to finally connect on the podcast. I'm glad too. I've been looking forward to it. Yes. All right. So let's dive right in. First off, let's start off with you introducing yourself. Sure. So my name is Shannon Weinstein. I'm a CPA, business mentor, coach, and I help small business owners, mostly online entrepreneurs, help them keep what they earn and avoid expensive mistakes. (laughs) <laughs> we can get into that. <laughs> I have a, quite a few expensive mistakes I've made as a business owner, and we'll talk about those. But you have a very interesting story about how you got into this whole field of accounting. Why don't you tell us what the uh, familial connection is with this whole <laughs> endeavor of yours? Yeah. So my dad was a CPA. And ever since I was a little girl, probably kindergarten, my dad would ask me if I wanted to be an accountant like him when I grow up. And of course, my answer was no, because <laughs> what you do is boring. There's just books everywhere. And you're in the basement all day. And like, we don't see you in the winter. Like, what? Are you a bear? What, what is this? <laughs> right? So I had no desire because like, whatever he did sounded so boring. But we had to take an accounting class in high school, or we had to take a business class of some kind in high school. And accounting was one of the options. And My dad said, I want you to take this class. And if you hate it, I will never ask you again. And I will never bother you again. And I was like, those are high stakes. I'm ready to take this on. (laughs) But he said, if you love it, though, you have to major in it. 
Oh. And I was like, I'll show you. I'm going to hate this. <laughs> <laughs> I was moved to honors accounting after the first two weeks with over 100 average, and I was tutoring the other students. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Look what you asked for. <laughs> I know. I'm so competitive, but I admit when I lose. Like, I'm not a sore loser. I just realized that, you know what? He was right. And I think that actually set me off on a trajectory to start actually listening to him because he proved to be right about a lot of things. And I'm very grateful that I kind of learned how to set my ego aside and listen. Mm. Yeah. You know, I feel like as we age, we start to understand why our parents told us the things that they did. And it's usually because it's some sort of lived experience. But, you know, when you're a teenager, you're just really not trying to hear that shit. So I get it. <laughs> yeah. Who wants to learn about taxes when they're 16? Uh, not I, but I kind of wish now at 36 and a business owner that I had paid a little more attention, uh, you know, because th those skills are quite valuable. And so you became an accountant because you lost a bet with your dad, which yep. is an amazing story. So... Let's talk about this whole world of business accounting and taxes that I think stresses out so many people from even starting a business, right? Let's talk first about some of the most common like narratives that I hear that drive me absolutely insane around the impact of starting business on your taxes. The first being, oh, well, I don't want to start a business because like I don't want to pay more money in taxes. And I'm just like, wait, so you don't want to make more money. That's basically what you're saying. Why do you think people have this really limiting belief? And I think I actually used this analogy on one of your Instagram posts, but I said, that's like saying, I don't want to lose weight because then I have to go buy new clothes. <laughs> it's like, but you look fantastic. Right. How does this make any, what? <laughs> so, so basically it's actually the opposite because believe it or not, business owners are favored by the, you know, the U.S. tax system. So if you're in a position to create jobs, to build commerce, to help boost the economy, they want to take good care of you and make sure you're happy. So they actually give you plenty of tax incentives as a small business owner that you can't take advantage of as a W-2 worker. And I think that most people think that I make more money, I'm in a higher tax bracket, I get taxed more. And it's like, yeah, but you're keeping most of that money. Mm -hmm. So would you rather make another $100 and keep 80 of it or not make any money at all. I mean, you always work out better making more money. Yeah, I love that you mentioned that because the W-2 income that most of us are used to is actually some of the most highest taxed income. So I think that's where people are making the flawed connection where they're just like, they see every time they earn more at work, yeah, they're getting more money taken out, but it's not the same when you own a business. There's lots of different ways to classify that income. So they are actually paying less taxes potentially on the same amount of income if you're comparing a strict W-2 worker to a business owner. Yeah. And I think part of it is psychological as well, because most W-2 workers have those taxes taken out for them. So it's out of sight, out of mind. It happens automatically. They don't have to worry about it. And they equate less worry with less taxes when in reality, as a new business owner, one of the biggest mistakes I see is not paying anything in taxes and then realizing that it was up to your discipline and your responsibility during the year to pay into that fund, into those estimates and like put it in the cookie jar, you know? Yep. And if they don't, they see they owe a ton of money. And then the psychology of it is, I owe all this money because I have a business and they connect those two things. And that's just not the case. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
Okay, I think another misconception that people have is like you have to make a certain amount of money before you report to the IRS that you're actually earning income. What's the actual truth? So the truth is that you have to report every piece of income that you earn, every dollar of income. And you don't need a 1099 in order to report your income. You should be reporting all the money that you're making, even the cash. Yes, even the cash. Yes, it's not reported to the IRS. Yes, you could, under the table, quote unquote, keep it. But the best thing you can do is to claim everything because in the case of an audit, here's the thing. In the case of an audit, you'll earn a ton of trust. If you're like, I claim my cash, I claimed all my PayPal, I claimed all my Venmo, I claimed all my whatever. If it was truly business income, right, whatever type of income it is, if you're claiming it honestly and completely, then it's like, oh, wow, okay, cool. Because the first thing they look for is unclaimed income Mm. to make sure that you're not hiding anything. That's the Mm -hmm. first thing they look for because they know that trick. So if you're not doing that, it really does build up a lot of trust with the IRS. And, you know, there is no minimum before you are a quote unquote official business or before you have to claim it. And just because it seems insignificant to you doesn't mean it's not a business. Yeah, absolutely. I think another misconception that people have is that you have to formalize the structure of your business in some way by creating an LLC or a corporation before you can take yourself seriously as a business, right? Like, yeah. And I think that stops a lot of people from starting because they feel like they have to make this initial investment into creating a structure and all this stuff. But the truth is that the moment you earn a dollar, you're a business owner. Yeah. The moment you spend a dollar, you're a business owner too. Okay. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if you're a quote unquote legitimate business, whatever that means to you, if you're listening, right? I get submissions on my website all the time that disclaim themselves as business owners. They'll say, well, I'm not really a legit business, but I make, you know, (laughs) money doing this, 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 and this, and this. I have like five side hustles, but I'm not like a legit business. And I'm like, what do you think a legit business is? (laughs) Because they're making money. And I think that we are under the assumption that a legit business must be a certain thing, whether it's having employees or or making a certain amount of revenue or having an office or anything. And the truth is you're in business the moment you decide you want to be. So if you say, I want to go start, for example, start a blog and you start writing the blog with the intent to monetize it and you start reaching out to potential advertisers or you start pushing ads towards it or something, you're doing that with a business intention. And that is technically when the business starts in theory. And it's very subjective, but people think that the birth of the business is when the LLC is formed or the corporation is formed. And that's just not the case because you can be operating as a sole proprietor long before that. So let's dive into what it means to be a sole proprietor. I think folks think you have to designate yourself as one, but it's actually the default. Is that correct? Yeah. It's the default position. So if you wake up and start a lemonade stand, you're a sole proprietor. Like (laughs) that's it. Like you are a sole proprietor until such time that you establish a separate business entity with your state. Okay. So what would drive someone to investigate going beyond the sole proprietor route? Like what are some of the benefits of forming, let's say an LLC? Because that tends to be the most common business structure that I think a lot of people start with. Yeah. So really the the key choices here are an LLC, a partnership, a C-corp or an S-corp. A partnership, you're ruled out if you're by yourself already because it requires multiple members. The LLC, though, let's say it's a single member LLC. 
a single member LLC, the only key difference between a sole proprietorship and an LLC is the liability protection and the acknowledgement of the, the separate entity and the separate name and EIN number. So from a tax perspective, they are taxed exactly the same. So whether you are a sole proprietor or you're a single member LLC, your tax return looks almost identical except for the name on that Schedule C for your business income. It'll either be your LLC name or your personal name and your social security number. So from my standpoint, people say, what's the difference if I'm an LLC versus a sole prop? I say, it's absolutely nothing to me. It is up to you and your lawyer to decide if it's worth the liability protection to pay those annual fees to have the LLC in place. Okay. So it sounds like you would investigate becoming an LLC once you have like, you're making a significant amount of income to the point that like you don't necessarily want this to be seen as your personal assets. Like you want to separate those two things out. Does that make sense? It does. But what you have to consider too is do you have personal assets you want to protect in case you get in trouble with the business? So Mm. if you're in a risky business, like I have a client who does experiences where they shoot guns out of a helicopter. Oh Lord. (laughs) They do events and retreats where they do like these crazy extreme experiences. And I go, yeah. Um, What's your insurance policy? <laughs> we make sure we get the LLC up for that, you know, because depending on what you're doing, it could be risky. Someone could sue you. Yeah. And if they sue the business, can they come after your house? Can they come after your bank accounts? So, you know, it's about more than what's in the accounts, but it's just a question of, do you want to protect and separate these things? And it's a very personal decision based on your whole situation. Mm-hmm. And if you've got enough of your own personal assets to protect your investments, your, your real estate, things like that. Even if the business isn't taking off yet, it's something to consider. Okay. Good to know. All right. Let's talk about the EIN, the employee ID number that we get issued by the IRS. For me, that happened when I filed my LLC. When should someone apply for an EIN? Do you need one? So you should, generally speaking, you should have one. You can apply for one in five minutes on the IRS website and get it live time. It's really easy. Now, you'll want to do that. It's usually included with an LLC startup. Like if you go to a lawyer and you say, I want to start an LLC, they typically include that as a step that they'll handle for you. But you can go to the IRS website. You can claim to be a sole proprietor who needs an EIN. And you can also take your LLC and go get an EIN. It's basically the social security number of your business so that you can separately list everything on your tax return and claim the income separately from the personal. Okay. I've also found that a lot of like business bank accounts will require you to have an EIN. So if you're ready to like take that next step of opening a business bank account, it's a must, I think, for most of us. Yeah, absolutely. So most business bank accounts require an EIN. The alternative would be if you didn't have an EIN, you could open another personal checking account and know it was dedicated exclusively for business. But again, you would not have that protection if you were just a sole prop with two different personal bank accounts. It's all still under your social. So it's up to you if you really want the protection and the separation. Okay. Very good to know. All right. Let's talk a little bit about corporations. So you mentioned S-Corps. C-Corps, what is the difference? So actually, an S-Corporation is a tax election. I I like to say it's like an outfit you put on your business if your business is a C-Corp or an LLC. So at the core, it is 
a corporation or it's an LLC, which is a limited liability company, not corporation. A lot of people don't understand that. So when I say company, it's not incorporated. So a corporation is like your Inc, I-N-C, right? You could have either of those two types of businesses at a state level, and you can elect to be taxed as an S-corp under subchapter S. Now, that is a layer on top of either one of those types of entities. So the difference between an LLC and a corporation is pretty different. It's A corporation has shareholders. A corporation can issue dividends. A corporation is taxed completely differently than an LLC, and it's a separate and distinct entity from the owner. Okay, so... When we're talking about the S-Corp status, I think that's something that a lot of people have been told, you know, word on the street, Instagram, wherever, that like everybody needs an S-Corp because it saves you a ton of money on taxes and blah, blah, blah. But I don't think people actually understand that it's not that you're forming an S-Corp per se, like you're applying for an LLC. It's like you're electing that federal taxation status on top of whatever that other entity that you've created on the state level. Yeah. Remember that movie, The Princess Diaries with Anne Hathaway? Yes. <laughs> I picture a meme that's like her before and her after. And it's like, LLC, escort. Like you, you just yes. dress, you're just dressing up your LLC. Yes. <laughs> I love you're it. Not make, you're not forming a whole new thing. You're just zhuzhing it up a little bit. So you're going to elect to be taxed as an escort, but you're still an LLC at the state level. So mm-hmm. you're not changing what you are. You're just changing. You're throwing a nice suit, nice dress on it, right? Yes. So, that's how it actually works. You're actually just dressing professional for the interview. So an S-Corp can save you a ton in self-employment taxes for sure. But I don't necessarily treat it as the quick fix, one size fits all thing that it might be presented to be on social media because there's a lot of stuff that you have to have in place before you can even start thinking about electing S-Corp. Okay. Let's talk about some of those things. I know for when we were talking about this, one of the main things that I knew I had to prepare for was to start issuing myself payroll. But what are some of the things that you have to do from a paperwork standpoint to not fall into a non-compliance situation with the IRS when you're electing escort? Right. So the first thing I do is I look at bookkeeping. How good is the bookkeeping? How clean is it? Has it been up to date? Is, are all the accounts being reconciled? And is it either professionally done or adequate to a certain level? And I review that. And it's not actually something that's required by regulation, technically. I mean, it's a requirement, but it's very subjective. If you say they have really good bookkeeping, well, what does that mean, right? I would do a very thorough review of the books to say, can you handle the responsibility of an S-Corp using the bookkeeping that you have now? And I want to make sure that that's set up for success. I like to say that an LLC is like having a goldfish as a pet and then the S-Corp is a German shepherd. And I'm like, are you ready? Like, do you have the bowl? Do you have the the crate? Like, did you buy all the things so that you can handle this thing? And that's what I'm looking for. Are you ready as a business owner with good bookkeeping? The next thing is, are you ready to run payroll for yourself? And are you making enough money to sustain running that payroll and paying for an extra tax return, which most people don't realize, you're going to have to have a separate uh, 1120S tax return for your S-Corp that is due March 15th every year just for the S-Corp. And then you also have your personal taxes. So that can also double your tax bill, triple it or or more because the S-Corp return is very complicated. Then you're paying a payroll service, you're paying an accountant, you might be paying for more bookkeeping support. So you want to make sure that you're actually still saving money after all of these costs. So I recommend looking at an S-Corp when you're over about $40,000 in profit 
and you're able to sustain that. So you mentioned good bookkeeping. Can we talk about what are some of the principles of bookkeeping? What are the things that drive you insane that we as business owners do so that we can stop doing those things and not drive our accountants to drink every April? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, what, let's see, what would drive me insane? A spreadsheet with like very little labeling. That would be one thing like collecting or bank statements, just bank statements highlighted with what's business without any context, especially when they say PayPal and nothing else or Amazon. (laughs) (laughs) We need information on what you purchased and the business purpose of it. So PayPal could literally be anything. Amazon could literally be anything these days. It could be supplies. It could be, I mean, who knows? Depends on what type of business you're in, right? So what I want to do is make sure that we've got all the information to categorize your expenses properly and make sure they're all very clear. And part of that is making sure that everything matches the bank statements, that you've got your personal and business separated and separated strictly. That's a big one. And that you're reconciling your bank and credit cards account card accounts every month to make sure that you're capturing everything, all the transactions that are coming through and being able to catch any mistakes or discrepancies along the way. Yeah, that was a big issue for me for a long time was like, I had this mental block around justifying the cost of paying for something like QuickBooks or something. And now that I use it, I'm just like, what girl, like, what were you doing? That shit is like a godsend, right? Just having the system that's built in and connected with your your accounts, it just makes the whole reconciliation process so easy. But I think a lot of people have this like mental block where it's just like, well, I don't need this right now because I'm not making a ton of money or I don't have a ton of transactions. But I feel like you should get into that discipline from the beginning because then when you're talking about scaling your business, you already have those good practices in place and you're not trying to like retrofit this big ass machine that now you've created Um, with this like very paper-driven process that you were using for accounting. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., 
and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero. Yeah, and I, I like to say that building a business is like building a house and you want to have a strong foundation. You want to make sure the floors are sturdy. You've got everything done right. Because what if you didn't lay all the floor tiles straight or they were all jagged and then you were like buying furniture? <laughs> like, 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 let's wait to like put the desk down and do all the decor before like the tiles are straight. Mm-hmm. So that's how I look at it and say, let's just make sure like all our tiles are level. Everything's cool before we start throwing in furniture and other things that will just complicate it and make it harder to fix later. Yeah. All right. So I know there's a lot of people who they hate dealing with their business finances and they're just like, I cannot manage doing this myself. So what are the benefits of working with someone who does bookkeeping? And like, what are some of the things you should be asking if you're planning to hire a bookkeeper for your business? Oh, that's good. Yeah. We, we have a ton of, I have a whole blog post, I think with a list of questions we ask, right? So a couple of things. You should definitely consider outsourcing to a bookkeeper. And I want to dispel a stigma or maybe a misconception or a myth out there that we cost a lot of money because bookkeepers in general, compared to let's say a CFO or CPA, don't cost as much in general. And there's different types of professionals you hire for different purposes, much like a doctor, right? You don't have to hire an open heart surgeon to do your vitals. That's why they have nurses. And I'm not discrediting nurses, but I'm saying everyone has a role to play in terms of what they do. And a bookkeeper would be able to come in every month or so, update your transactions, make sure everything's reconciled, work for a few hours if you only have a few transactions a month, right? And be able to alleviate that off your plate. And if you're able to earn more money than you're paying them in that amount of time, it's a no-brainer. If you can sell a few more courses or or client sessions or whatever that may look like, if you can serve two or three more clients in the time it took you to outsource that bookkeeping, then it's an absolute no-brainer to outsource it. And you should find someone who understands your type of business, your industry, how you earn money, and really at, at the core understands you as a business owner and your priorities. Because I think that we tend to gravitate towards convenience and proximity when hiring a professional. But in the age of the internet, and especially after COVID, everyone is available to work with. You just have to find what's a good match for you. Yeah, that's an important point. I think a lot of people get like just so stressed out about the process of finding somebody, but like talk to your network. You probably know somebody who has a business. Maybe they work with somebody they really like. Yeah. And a a lot of folks reach out to me as well. And we may not even be a good fit, but I know a ton of bookkeepers. I have a whole network, right? I'm in all the accountant groups on Facebook asking questions of them. Like we have water cooler chats online, right? And if I go in and say, hey, I've got this girl, Janice, and she needs a, a bookkeeper and she does this, this, and this, and this is where she's based and this is what she's looking for, then somebody's gonna jump up and say, hey, oh my God, that's me. Yeah. And utilize those networks for sure. And and definitely, as you mentioned, ask the right questions to make sure they're a good fit for you mm-hmm. and what you care about. Because I hear all the time from people coming to me, they will say, when I ask, 
why are you looking to switch or why are you looking to make a change, right? They'll say, well, my accountant doesn't communicate proactively with me or my accountant doesn't do X, Y, and Z. And there's two things I, I tell them to do is, number one, establish what those values are. Like create a, a job requirements list for your accountant of what they, what you're looking for in them and ask questions to see if they're a good candidate for that position, like you're interviewing them for a job. And the second thing is really examine the expectation setting that you're doing with the accountants and how much did you communicate that, that that's what mm -hmm. you want. And I think it goes both ways. It's kind of like a relationship. It's like, you yes. didn't pay attention to me. And it's like, you didn't say you needed this. <laughs> so... Uh, so I think there's a bit of responsibility on both sides, but it's all about that communication. And I yeah. think that if you can proactively communicate with them and say, this is what I'm looking for. Can you do this for me? See their reaction. And that's going to be very telling. I love that analogy. And I think it's, you know, money makes people emotional. So you definitely want to like go into this with a lot of communication because that's just going to serve everybody. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about business expenses. This is a huge area of confusion for a lot of people. Like, what is a business expense? What can we classify as a business expense? Like, is my dinner date with my, you know, secretary a business expense? But if my husband's there, does that also count? Like, what are we doing here? So when it comes to the business expenses, the IRS guidance is basically anything ordinary and necessary in the course of business. And yeah, that's very clear. That's, <laughs> that's pretty vague, right? That's pretty vague. So I say, ask yourself this. If you were not in business, would you be spending this money? Is mm. a good, that's a kind of a good first level check. Ultimately, it has to have a business purpose and a business benefit to you spending the money. So yes, you can take out your secretary to dinner and call it a business expense because that's employee relations, Right. Let's say even if your spouse works with you in the business, you can't deduct dinner every night. <laughs> so it's it's the ordinary and necessary, but the like, do you really have to? Do you talk about business every night? And maybe you do, but like they don't let you deduct every single meal, especially if you're going out to nice places with just your spouse, because it's like that's not 100% a business dinner. They know that. Mm -hmm. So it's this idea of within reason you know, to not exploit it. But that's what we also help with too, is kind of running through those scenarios and saying, hey, this is what I think you reasonably could deduct. This is what I'm comfortable with based on my knowledge of the tax law. This is what I think you should do. And in general, I think business owners are actually more conservative than they could be in terms of their deductions because they think that if they overshoot that they're going to get in trouble. When in reality... Yeah. Even if something is not technically deductible or you can't produce a receipt for it or you think that, you know, you're you're pushing the boundaries, the worst thing that can happen is they say, yeah, no, we're not going to let you deduct that and you need to pay taxes on it. So, yeah, you know, sometimes it's worth going through the motions of claiming it if you think it's a legitimate business expense. And then if you can't support it, dealing with what comes after that. Okay. So I, I think this is one point that is it really drives home this idea like you shouldn't try to DIY this stuff because you're probably missing out on a lot of deductions that you could be eligible for because you're trying to just, you know, read stuff on the internet and figure out what you're actually qualified for in operating your business. Yeah, I would not advise DIYing unless it's incredibly simple or you have some type of background in the subject matter because 
I think that the sooner you can get a qualified professional on your side, the sooner that you can game plan and strategize with almost like a coach. If you're like a team or a quarterback for your business, the sooner you have a coach working with you that understands you, the better you can run plays, the better you can create opportunities because somebody's been there with you from day one. And we actually take kind of a layered approach where I recommend a lot of bookkeepers people start with. Like maybe they may not start with me as a service provider, but we have a network of bookkeepers. And if you start with them, it makes the transition so much easier because then you've worked with them. I understand their bookkeeping methods. They agree with me on a lot of things. And then you layer us in as tax preparers and then us in as your CFO over time. But there's always a consistency. Yeah, that's really good advice. One thing that a lot of my new students struggle with is this idea of like, when is the right time to outsource stuff like this? Because they may not be turning a profit right away, right? So would you argue that like it's never too early or should we get to a place of sort of consistent income before we enlist help? It's never too early, but I would say that you can be intentional about what you're hiring out for. So I would start with getting QuickBooks or hiring the bookkeeper within the first six months. And then as you go along, you start realizing what your next needs are. And it might just be a low cost tax preparer to start with if it's very simple, or it could be hiring a CPA or an accounting firm to to work on tax strategy with you. It also depends on your personal situation and how complicated your tax story is, because that could drive your ability to outsource or DIY. All right. Very good advice. I want to talk a little bit about scaling your business. For a lot of my students, they're like brand new side hustlers or they're like new businesses that are interested in like taking things to the next level income wise. What are some of your best tips for scaling your business? So I think with scaling, what's interesting is scaling to most people is just growing their revenue exponentially, right? But when we talk about scaling, it's really about honing in on that thing you do really well and being able to replicate it perfectly or or consistently using everyone but yourself. <laughs> it's about pulling yourself out of the business and uh it's just like the e-myth if you if you've read the e-myth it's working on the business not in the business and actually being able to take a step back and let the machine operate and make you money. And scalability is about less reliance on you as the business owner and the ability to earn income basically in your sleep. We, we like to call it passive income or recurring income, but I think it's also what is an offer that you can deliver, that you can do exceptionally well, that you can repeat, and you can possibly teach others how to do as well so that others can do it for you. And that to me is the key to scaling, and that unlocks a ton of potential for business growth, especially when you can control the costs associated with that. Yeah, I think that's what a lot of people eventually, they want to be able to take that step back and not have to show up for every single dollar that they earn in their business. But there's a lot of confusion as to like how you translate what you're doing actively in your business into some sort of passive income source. So could you give us maybe like one or two examples of what that could look like? Like how can someone incorporate a passive income source into their business model? Like let's say somebody who's like a one-on-one coach or something like that. Yeah, so a couple of examples. I mean, there's obviously affiliate 
income. So if there are programs or tools and apps, software that you love that are crucial to your business or that you truly believe in, you can also share that with your audience and then you can turn a profit from using those things. That's a really great way to supplement. The other thing is if you can create some type of monthly subscription or membership, that is really, really lucrative because now you don't have to sell every time you make a sale. And that's a really important aspect. So if you're signing up for a monthly membership, you're selling that person one time. You're having them commit to the monthly and you don't have to sell them every single month mm -hmm. to re-up. So it's a nice thing to know that you've got that guaranteed income coming in and you can now predict your cash flow because you know you're at least going to make this much money every month so long as there's this many, this many customers in the membership. So I think that's a great way to, to do recurring revenue. I think a lot of online coaches right now are operating off of this high-low model, peaks and valleys, of launching something for a high-ticket they bring in a great launch, let's say it's 20K, 50K, 100K launch, and then radio silent for three months while they're serving that group. Mm -hmm. And then they do it again. And now you're seeing this like up and down, up and down. And in reality, it's really a relatively low, steady rate of income because they have to make that last for three months. I think yeah. cash flow is what we call this, where we talk about the amount of money you're earning and spending with consideration of timing. So when are you making the money? When are you spending the money? And are you going to end up in a deficit because bills come due, but your launch is not yet coming up? It's kind of like that moment on maybe the 14th of the month when you've <laughs> spent the whole paycheck from the first and you're like, come on, I need that replenishment. My credit card's going to be due soon. And you mm -hmm. wait for that next paycheck. It's the same type of feeling. You're living launch yeah. to launch. And I think that's not sustainable for a business. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And I feel totally called out too, because that's kind of how I roll right now. I don't know, just this idea of like a membership stresses me out because I feel like having to show up every month or deliver consistent service is also like feels like a lot of work. So I guess you have to figure out ways to not chain yourself to always having to show up to that community that you're building. And that's, I guess, yeah. where you start outsourcing people to be teachers on your behalf and stuff like that. Yeah. And you preserve the value. Mm -hmm. So for example, if you're doing trainings or something, you have a portal, people pay a monthly membership to access your portal where you add new content in monthly. Now it's just, I have to make sure I contribute just like podcast episodes. I have to make sure that I have new content I'm putting out there every single month so that it's re replenishing the value for people. And they can always go back and rewatch. And I think that as coaches too, and as business owners, we always think we have to do more than we actually do. I think that our customers are actually happier than we think they are because we think mm. we have to over deliver. At least that's me. I'm an Enneagram three to the nth degree. And I'm going, I got to do more. I got to do more. And my clients are actually like, no, you're, you're fine. I'm very happy. Like it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we do a monthly, we do a monthly offer similarly. And I think it works out well. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. I think we're always our biggest like critics in business. So yeah. it's important to keep that perspective. All right. So for the newbie business owners who are listening to this and they're just like, all right, Shannon, I've heard you. I want to get my financial shit together, but I'm overwhelmed. What's the top two or three tips that you have to get yourself set up for April 15th, 2022? So if you haven't done it already, by the end of the year, make sure you're business finances are separated from your personal. 
and that you're keeping track of all the footprints in and out of that bank account for your transactions, whether that be on a spreadsheet or a QuickBooks. And I personally recommend QuickBooks Online because it is so much easier to automate, especially for the modern entrepreneur who's doing everything online, So, which I think is most of you listening. So I recommend having some type of system to keep track. Now, that being said, now you're ready for April 15th. And then what I would ask you to do is not lose that momentum. Start thinking strategically. So once you've got the data, now you're going to want to actually use that data to help you make decisions and understand what that data is telling you. It's kind of like when you go through a weight loss journey or a fitness journey, and now you have your food journal and now you have your macros. And now what? What do mm -hmm. I have to do? I have to adjust. I have to do this more. I have to, you're getting feedback from your performance. And now you have to tweak and adjust and pivot things to make sure that you're moving in the right direction. And that's what I think a lot of folks miss out on is they're so caught up in just collecting the data, but they don't know what it's for other than to comply with taxes or to do the tax reporting. And that's just the beginning of it. Yeah, absolutely. Once you understand where your the seasons of your business are, which you can see when you're doing this type of level of accounting, you know when are they going to be the prime opportunities for you to make maybe some strategic investments in your business because you have excess cash flow. You're going to know, hey, I can actually invest this much in a retirement account because I have this much profit. Or you can say, you know what, I really like this income stream and I want to take this to the next level next year. And, and just having that level of visibility to what's happening in your business like you said, it really just does help you plan for future success. Absolutely. And it helps you unlock that next level of future success because maybe you can afford to hire someone and you didn't know, or maybe <laughs> you can afford to quit your job and you didn't know. Right. Yes. I realized that in 2020. I was like, wow, I really don't have to be doing this nine to five shit. Who knew? <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much, Shannon, for this awesome conversation. There's so many gems in here. Um, for folks that want to find out more about you, follow you, work with you. I know you have a foundational course for new business owners and getting their whole accounting systems in place. So tell us what's the best way for us to contact you and where we can find you. Yeah. So the best place you can find me hanging out is on Instagram. I'm at Shannon K. Weinstein. I offer tips just about daily. I'm not going to lie. I give a lot away for free. If you're, if you read the, the posts, I'm giving away all the tax tips I give my clients are right there on my Instagram profile. And currently offering a foundational course, like you said, it's called Financial Foundations because my company is called Financial Solutions. And what we do in that course is we offer you all of the key building blocks of a brand new business from banking to payment systems to taxes and keeping track of your numbers. We're not trying to make you accountants, but we're trying to make you just dangerous enough <laughs> as a business <laughs> owner to get things done the right way so that you're not pulling your hair out at tax time. And we're probably going to save you a ton of money, not only in taxes, but in accounting fees, because if you're adopting these good habits, then the accountants will not charge you an arm and a leg. That's amazing. And we're going to put a special link for listeners in the show notes so you can grab your access to that. That is worth its weight in gold. Lord knows. I wish I had had some sort of foundational setup before I decided to do this shit. But <laughs> I just want to thank you so much for sharing your knowledge. And you also have a podcast too. So let folks know what the name of it is and where we can find it. Yeah. So I've just started the Keep What You Earn podcast. And there you can find uh, me and guests, including Janice, where we talk about 
anything money-related, business strategy, money mindset, and tips for you, a lot of things that my clients have learned. There's just a ton of knowledge and value included in every episode. I love it. And uh, if you guys didn't know, Shannon's actually my CPA. So, uh, you know, that should vouch for itself. But anyway, (laughs) thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you. And uh, I can't wait to see what you continue to create in your own business. I'm such a fan. I refer everybody to you because I really do believe that you have our success as small business owners. Like that is the core of what you do. That's what you care about and shows in your work. So thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate having you as a client as well and everything that you're doing. Thank you. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you are ready to take your dinero to the next level, sign up for our free 14-page guide, The Financially Lit Latina the ultimate blueprint for becoming poderosa with your dinero. This 14-page guide includes our best tips on money mindset, budgeting, debt repayment, career, investing, financial independence, side hustles, and more. And you can get it completely free. So to get your copy of the Financially Lit Latina, just head over to yoquierodineropodcast.com slash start. That's yoquierodineropodcast.com slash start and start transforming your dinero story today. Until next time, stay empowered, stay inspired, and stay poderosa. On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated content constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.